Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I'm Ryan Berkeley. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how money and finances have changed and continue to change. An ever-evolving thing. And the real piece that we hope you get out of it is looking at what you're currently doing and have you kept up to date with those changes. Yeah. This will be an interesting conversation. So before we dive in, though, Alex, what are we drinking today? Uh, well, today we are drinking Huckleberry Pucker. Uh, it is a Berliner Weiss sour. Um, so it's like a bit, essentially a, a German style white beer that has had uh, um, fermented fruit put into it. In this case, Huckleberry. Uh, it is from Paradise Creek Brewery over in Pullman, Washington. Uh, clocks in at 4.6 and has an astounding three IBUs. So this is uh, this is a bit different than our normal beers that we drink on here. These beers, I'll just give the warning on my end of things, are not my favorite. This is, I think, a definitely a, a beer that you really have to enjoy. I'm not sure this is a beer that everyone can enjoy, um, at least from my experience. But uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, so, I mean, it's I, a, I love Huckleberry. Um, so it com- it's combining a couple of things that I just absolutely love. Um, I like that this, the, by overall- the way, I have to interrupt you because all I'm thinking about is, is the movie tombstone. I'll be okay. your Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. That's in my head. Not to say it. So sure. those of you who love tombstone, you're welcome. Uh, for those of you who have not seen tombstone, go watch tombstone. Alex, I apologize. I interrupted your. That's all good. Your, your recap there. Um, so I'm a, in, in general, I'm a big fan of sours. This is a solid drinkable beer. It, it, this is not representative of what I would, would throw out there as like a really good sour. Um, so like it's, it's basically, it, it, it's tasting like fruit in beer as opposed to like a, a sour. Um, the really good sours, um, my, my favorite uh, uh, brewery that puts out sours is Cascade uh, down in Portland. They, they put out some really, really good sours. Um, and, and this is solid. This is a really good beer um, from my standpoint, um, but it, it's not my favorite sour for sure. Um, I'll give it a, a seven on the bottle caps. And I'm going to hold my bottle cap rating to, uh, I'm not going to rank it because everyone knows that I don't like sours, so it's not fair for me to rank it. Totally fair. So, well, well, let's dive into the topic at hand here, Alex. So l- let's talk about like what I want everyone listening to, to consider is even in our lifetime, like Alex and I are in our early forties, like how have, ch- how have things changed financially uh, around money just since, you know, we get out of school? Well, and let's think about this from a standpoint of like, where did our where did our views on money come from and how are they shaped and changed over time? Yep. And so like, I don't know. I, my mom's a teacher. I think that educators do amazing work. I think the financial education in our country is really poor. Like we don't talk about it. It's not required curriculum. There is a massive amount of teaching missing when it comes to, to basic finances in our country. 
<clears throat> and so as a result, most of the stuff that we get winds up coming from our parents and then formative events that occurred typically in our teens and early 20s. And so some of these examples that things have changed, right? So it w- we went from a system of many people had pensions to pensions for the most part don't exist in much of corporate America. And so we've shifted to more of a 401k where you are responsible for your own retirement savings, right? So that's a huge, right. that's huge shift. Number one, I think most people listening to this, like that's not an aha moment. I think a lot of people have <laughs> understand that piece, but planning for that is, is different. And in our industry, we were really just experiencing the actual planning side of stuff, maybe for these people in maybe the last decade. Yeah. One, like it's, it's something where the, our industry in, in general has done a great job of teaching people to put money into the 401k, <clears throat> but they've not done a good job of teaching people how to create an income stream. And so, <clears throat> well, and that's a huge difference. Like you're like, that's huge because most of us were going, they're going to work, right. They're collecting their paycheck and then they were saving that their mind has to now shift from, okay, now I have these assets. How do I create a paycheck from those assets? That's nothing they've ever done in their entire life. And oh, by the way, retirement, like whatever version of retirement you want, whether it's like the classic retirement where you're no longer going to work and you're going to go play golf every day, or maybe it's some version of working with, with some, you know, doing some work, meaningful work and doing something else. In the end, there's some version of income you need to turn on your assets. No one's taught to do that. And we didn't have to worry about that when we had a pension because the pension was a paycheck. What well, an investing for growth versus investing to create an income are dramatically different. And that becomes one of the most challenging things to do is to coach people through that change and help them understand how big of a difference that is. And we can maybe spend the whole episode on what you just said right there, Alex, because that even hit me differently from the standpoint of most people are, and even people in our industry are really working with their clients from a standpoint of growth. Mm Mm-hmm not from a standpoint of creating the income. So their, their thoughts are, well, if I can have a bunch of money, if that growth of money grows big enough, well, I can turn on the income stream and I'll be fine. Well, that might be true. There are more efficient ways of accomplishing that. Well, and the bigger the pile of money, the easier it is. But at the same time, like helping folks understand that the most challenging thing in finance is to be able to take a systematic, consistent income from a variable asset. You know, bring into the, adding onto the 401k aspect, right? Like most people, the bulk of their retirement money is in a tax deferred vehicle. Mm -hmm. And at some point in their, in their life, they might have, well, they will have required minimum distributions. And and that, that definition of when you have to do it is change ever changing. So I'm not going to go into the definition today because that might change next year. But the point is, if you're not taking enough money from your 401k, guess what? The IRS will make you take more money from it because the IRS wants paid. How many have thought about that when they're putting their money into the 401k? Like we have quite a few clients that are like, 
Ryan, do I have to take the RMD? I don't want to pay taxes on that. Ryan, if I take the RMD, that's going to put me in another, my Medicare is going to go up. Ryan, if I take an RMD, like they start going through all this stuff when they don't even want the RMD. Yeah. And there's, there's planning ways to, to tackle some of these things, but we have to, we have to map it out and we have to plan it ahead of time. You know, I was going through some planning around like how much of uh, somebody's social security would be taxable and like what that would do to like their property taxes and a couple of the other components. And they were really surprised by like how much variance and how many different things we had to look at when we were taking into account income. But yeah, and this goes back to your point around efficiency. You're right. If we get to retirement with the largest sum of money, it does become easier from uh, income, like turning on income, how efficient that income will get into your pocket. Well, that's a whole different conversation. And that's the whole point that we're trying to bring up right now is there's no, the blanket advice out there is put all of your money into a traditional 401k, defer the taxes and deal with the taxes later on. And essentially you're just kicking the can down the road and making it a bigger and bigger problem. The further down the road you kick it. Yep. And to take that a step further, like how have things changed, right? We're no longer in that traditional retirement where we get to retirement. We have a pension. We don't live 30 plus years in retirement, right? We live 10 years, right? Like the, the multiplier is, is that longevity as well as we have as a lot of years in our retirement years. Well, it's amazing how often I'm having to like have this conversation with folks that are retiring now, Mm -hmm. you know, they're like, Oh, I'm only going to live another 10 years. And when we take a look at it, it's like, okay, so people are typically reading numbers that say like, okay, the average life expectancy is 75 or 80 or 85, whatever the number is. Um, And it's amazing how many, different numbers people throw out at us. And that's true for the entire population. However, if you have made it to age 65 healthy and you're retiring, your longevity is different than the average population. And the other thing that amazes me is that people think, oh, if I live to the average mortality, that's normal. And it's like, okay, yes. However, 50% of people are going to live beyond that. And now we think about it from a standpoint of like, okay, what does that mean? And how many years beyond that? And so when we're looking at things from a planning standpoint, typically we need to plan somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 years beyond mortality. Because it's a really, really, really bad thing if we live longer than we plan. If we live shorter than we plan, Okay, that's not optimal, but that's a way way easier problem to solve, and a way it's it's way less concerning than planning for a longer or for a shorter retirement and living longer. Well, take that a step further, right? So we keep talking about length of retirement. What about where our money is? Right, like it used to be, our our, our grandparents or may, maybe some of our parents, they stayed with the same job for twenty and thirty years, so all of their money was in one account. Yeah. Right. Like I met with a client the other day, you know, he had five X like 401ks laying around and and then he made the joke and he was serious. This is what the scary part was. The joke was, I think there's another 401k out there too. Right. We don't even know where all of our money is. Okay. How do we plan? So it used to be 
we, we would save in our like siloed buckets, like one buckets for retirement and one buckets for our health or something like that. And now it's like, okay, I've got all of these different accounts everywhere. A, do I know where they're all at? And then B, how do I integrate that? Yeah. How do I coordinate where money's coming from, when, how, why, et cetera? Right. And then interest rates, right? Interest rates have changed dramatically over the years. Now they're starting to go back up. But the point that we're getting home here is like, it used to be people would retire. They would take that sum of money or a sum of money, put it in a CD, get 6% and they'd live off the CD. Well, let me know where you find a 6% CD because I'm pretty sure there'd be a line 10 miles long waiting to get that CD. It doesn't exist anymore. Right. And so like things have changed. We're only bringing up like just simple examples, but our financial planning may have not changed integrating how these, how these technologies and lifestyles have affected our financial planning. Yeah. I mean, like, let's take a look at social security. Like it used to be one of those things where like, okay, I've stopped retire. I've stopped working. I've retired. Okay. I'm going to take social security immediately. And heck, there are some people that look at it and we're saying like, okay, I'm still working, but I can take social security. So I'm going to, and like a, so there've been some law changes that have prevented some of the strategies that were around taking social security early but B, people have started living longer and they've started adjusting and looking at like, oh, hey, if I take it now, I have a reduced amount. Like, how does that play into the bigger picture or this less reliance upon pensions, more reliance upon 401k has shifted it so that people are now more and more and more reliant upon their own savings and as a result, we may not be very good at saving. And so we have less than we probably should have as a country. And as a result, we are almost required to wait and delay taking Social Security so that we don't wind up running out of money. Yeah, I mean, the question we get all the time is, when should I take the Social Security? It's now more strategic like strategic decision rather than it was just, back in the day. It was just like, well, I can get Social Security, turn it on. Right. So, you know, the whole purpose of today's episode is really hopefully to get you to think about, okay, what have you been doing with your money? And does it really match with how things have changed and how they're going to change moving forward? Because in the end, that's going to happen. Change will happen. What flexibility will you have in your plan? Which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Our question today is when was the last time that you examined your financial philosophy, what your financial philosophy is based upon? And, and what we mean by that are, what are some of these underlying assumptions and how long has it been since we updated it? Are we still relying upon information that comes from our parents, our grandparents, et cetera? So head over to beerandmoney.net and there's a spot for you to answer that question of the day. If this episode was viable at all, if you took some takeaways like, oh crap, I didn't think about X and I've been doing X and now I need to look at maybe readdre- readdressing that. Share it with your friends, share it with your coworkers, share it with your parents. <laughs> yeah. So, and as if, a, if this brought up questions that you now want answered, then reach out. We're here to help out with that. As always, we hope this episode was valuable. And Mr. Collins, cheers.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation, or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License number 1531912. CA Insurance License number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License number 7264699. CA Insurance License number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2022-139956, expiration June 2024.